Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. If you're taking notes, go ahead and, and you should write this down. I recommend you, 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 you do, as we say it every Sunday, but go ahead and write this down. Today's message is titled, Healthy, Healthy Laborers. Healthy Laborers. You know, if you're called to work in anything, um, in whatever capacity that you do in life, or, whether, or, or for the Lord, obviously, it's got to come from a healthy place. It's got to come from a healthy place. Um, the dangers, right, of presenting to the Lord from an unhealthy place. Um, God is still God, and he knows our hearts, and he's dealing with us in all of these things. But at the end of the day, we should want to labor and work and serve from a healthy place. And um, that should be our desires. Now, we've learned before, as we get into Matthew chapter 20, and you could go ahead and and turn there. We're going to read. That's going to be the passage that we're going to stick on, Matthew 20. We're going to just stay on this text. And um, we will have other verses to read But we're going to just go ahead and look into some thoughts there in Matthew 20, verse 1. And as we open up to Matthew 20, uh, I wanted just to kind of summarize, not summarize, but remind you of some very important things. Because we've learned here at Nest uh, before that the kingdom of God operates different than the kingdoms of this earth. The kingdom of God operates totally different. And that our duty is to live in his kingdom principles here on earth. As we allow the work of God in our lives to transform us and to mature us, we're still called to live in kingdom principles here on earth. Now, it's very easy for all of us to get caught up in the busyness of this world. How many of you could testify that there's been moments where you've just been caught up with the busyness of this world? Instantly, right? Instantly, especially with the city that we live in. To get wrapped up in the systems of this world, the ideals of this world. All of that while missing that God may want to do, may want to do, or, or missing how we can better display even his kingdom here on earth. It's so easy to miss. Oh, man, that's what God wanted to do. I should have taken advantage of it. We've preached that here before. Or even um, better displaying his kingdom on earth. So, so there are moments. There are moments that we've done well, and, and there are moments that we've missed the mark. I mean, I I could testify of that. There's moments I've done well, and there's moments I've missed the mark. And it's all part of God's dealing with me. He's growing me. He's doing stuff in me. And I'm sure everyone in here could confirm to that. So let's go ahead and get into this passage here, Uh, Matthew chapter 20. I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's have a a time just reading through it. I'll I'll try. I'm going to try my best not to stop and, and start talking in between verses. I just want to read it together, and then we'll, we'll, we'll always go back and repeat some verses as we make some, as we study some of them. Here we go. Let's read this passage, and as we read it, I want you in the beginning, as soon as we begin, as we read these verses, 1 through 16, look, look at it and, and see how it reveals to us the heart of heaven. I really want you to catch that. It reveals the heart of heaven. Here's Jesus, and he says this in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning, Early in the morning. Most likely this is 6 a.m. You're going to see different um, time increments here. Um, This is about 6 a.m., the beginning time when someone would go out to work in the field. So for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning, 6 a.m., to hire laborers for his vineyard. Workers for his vineyard. Verse 2. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, which a denarius is a day's wage, a day's pay, It says he sent them into his vineyard. So they agreed, I'll go at 6 in the morning, go work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you a day's wages. And they said, awesome, let's do it. We need work. And they went ahead. Now, as we jump into verse 3, like I just said, it's very important that you understand this. A work day during this time was divided into four increments, four three-hour increments, 6 to 9, 9 to 12, 12 to 3, 3 to to 6. I think I said it right, 3 to 6. Four three-hour increments. That was a work schedule um, during these days. So the first group that he came before was the group that was going to start in the first three-hour increment, which was at 6 to 9, on the clock from 6 to 9. Look at verse 3 with me. It says, and he went about again now the third hour. What time do you think it is now? It's 9 o'clock. 
So he went about the third hour, which is 9 a.m., and he saw others standing idle. Very important. You should maybe highlight that, underline that. We're going to read idle a few times here. And he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Verse 4. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. Verse 5. Again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. What time are we talking about now? The sixth hour is... 12 o'clock p.m. The ninth hour is 3 o'clock p.m. So he went about again at 12 p.m. and at 3 p.m. And he did likewise, just like he did at 9 a.m. and at 6. But look at verse 6 with me for a moment. So, so far he went at 6, at 9, at 12, and at 3 to find workers. But for some reason now, in verse 6, it says, And about the 11th hour, which is about 5 p.m., this is in the middle of the last work schedule, or the last work block. He goes at 5 p.m. And at 5 p.m., he went out and he found others standing idle again. And he says to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? What is he saying? Why haven't you been working today? Why haven't you been working? And verse 7, they said to him, because no one hired us. No one's hired us. And he says to them, remember, all of this began with what? The kingdom? All right, let's go back to verse 1 and start over. Verse 1, for the kingdom of heaven is light. Don't forget that. So they said to him, because no one has hired us. And he says to them, you also go into the vineyard. And look what he tells them as well. Very important. 5 p.m. Let me ask you a question if you did any kind of math. How many hours are these at 5 p.m. going to work? One hour. One hour. And he tells them this. You also go into the vineyard. And whatever is right, you will receive. Everyone's with me so far. Verse 8. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers, healthy laborers, call the laborers and give them their wages. Give them their days paid. Beginning with the, this is so important, how, how the kingdom of heaven is like. How the kingdom of heaven is like. Ready? Look what he says. Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the first ones that started. It's awesome how the kingdom of heaven is like. Because what he says is, it says beginning with the last ones. Then you work your way to the first. I mean, my God, there's been some there that have been working since 6 a.m. Start with them and pay them so they could go home to their families. But my goodness, those at 5 an hour later are going to get their check before the ones at 6. Do you think that's fair? Well, don't answer no. The kingdom of heaven is like, don't answer no yet. So <laughs> don't answer no yet. But obviously, our earthly mind... Our carnal mind says, no, that's not fair. A good boss would pay the ones that started at 6. They're tired. They worked hard. They deserve it. They deserve it. Everyone say they deserve it. Who deserves what, huh? All right, here we go. <clears throat> Call the laborers, verse 8. Give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. Verse 9. And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, 5 p.m., because they were the last ones, they each received, how much did they receive? A what? How much was a denarius? A day's wage. How many hours did they work, more or less? They worked one hour and they received a day's wage. For sure, the ones at six are going to get paid. For sure. If the ones that worked one hour just made what a man makes a whole entire day, you know the ones at 6 a.m. are salivating. Yes, I cashed in. Today, the good boss is going to give us some money because if he paid the ones that worked an hour what I make a whole day, can you imagine what he's going to pay me because I've been here since 6 o'clock in the morning? I'm just thinking. It's not, like I've never I've not, it's not like I've ever read this before and I know the ending. I'm just thinking that's what's going to happen. So they received a day's wage, verse 10. But when the first came, let's call them the, the six o'clockers, the six a.m.ers, when they first came, they supposed, I love how the New King James says they supposed. I love how when you look at that word and you break it down a little bit more, um, you could say something like they assumed. 
they supposed, they assumed that they would receive more. And they likewise received a denarius, a day's wage. <laughs> so let's see how they received this. Ready? Verse 11. When they had received it, they began to complain. They complained. That word means murmur. That word means they began to grumble. If you remember anything, so did their, so, so, so those, the ancestors of old in the wilderness. In the, in the, remember what they were doing to Moses? Their hearts began to what? Murmur and what? Grumble and what? Complain. And who they take it on? Moses, you stink. You should have left us in Egypt. They began to grow bitter and murmur and complain and protest. And, and, and look what they said in verse 12. These last men have worked only one hour from five to six. And you made them equal to us, respecter of persons, huh? Who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and he said, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. I know you just kept on reading, right? I know you just kept on reading. You shouldn't have done that. But let's go back to verse 2. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius day, he sent them to the vineyard. Everyone agreed at 6 in the morning that that's how much they were going to get paid. Yes or no? Does verse 2 say that? Yes. All right. Let's go back to verse 12 and 13. I have not done anything wrong to you. In verse 2, did you not agree with me for a day's wage, a denarius? Verse 14, take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to the last man the same as I gave to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Is it, am I, what is he saying? Am I breaking the law? Because I get to choose what I want to do with my own money? Or is your eye evil? If you study that, do you have an envious eye? Because I am good? So, what does he tell them? Kingdom principle. Kingdom, everyone say kingdom principle. So, here's the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like. So, the last will be first, and the first... Last. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I was hoping for those that always get last place in something would give an amen at some point. But I'm guessing we have a bunch of winners in this room. Amen. <laughs> I was like, at least I always get last place. Amen. That's the first for my life. Now, why do I feel like this is such an important passage? It's interesting. It's very interesting. And it's interesting for, for many reasons, but I wrote down three reasons why I believe it's very interesting. Number one, it's interesting because it reveals the human heart. Yes or no? Yes. Number two, it reveals the heart of God. I, what are you saying? I know that this whole story has to do with God and the kingdom. Why do I know that? Because he began with the kingdom of heaven is like. This has more to do than with the vineyard. It has more to do with the master of the vineyard, and it has more to do with the servants or the workers of that vineyard. It has everything to do with this parable that I'm about to tell you is something deeper, and I'm talking about the kingdom of God. So be, number two, not only does it reveal man's heart, number two, it reveals the heart of God. And number three, it reveals the laws of God's kingdom. Why the laws of God's kingdom? Because the laws of God's kingdom are the, are, can be different than the laws of the <laughs> The laws of God king, God's kingdom can be different than the laws of your kingdom. So you're building a kingdom, and God has to confront it because those laws are different than my kingdom. Goodness gracious. English Standard Study Bible says this, and I got three points from this, and I have three points that I want to share with, the, with you guys today. And then we'll go bake in the sun. Ready? I'm going to read it. It says this. We should never measure our worth by comparing it with the accomplishments and sacrifices of others. But we should focus on serving from a heart of gratitude in response to God's grace. Jesus is not denying degrees of reward in heaven. 
but is affirming that God's generosity is more abundant than anyone would expect. Let me tell you something. You know, oh man, you know who are the only ones that would be offended by this passage? The only ones that didn't start working at five. But everyone that started working at five would be like, that passage is awesome. But if you started working at six, you probably would be like, man, gosh, that passage really irritates me. So think about what I just read here for a moment. Think about what I just read here. He's affirming that God's generosity is more abundant than anyone would expect. I love when people in church are texting me. While I'm preaching, give me a second. Let me just lower it so you can keep texting me because I love when, I'm, when I get off the podium, I can see them and, and read them. But watch this. But, but what, 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 what's, what's important is this. What's important is this. When you look at this whole, let me just keep reading it. All the laborers except the first got more than they deserved, yes? It is probably correct also to see here a warning that Jesus' early followers, such as the 12, should not despise those who would come later. All right, you should write this down because let's get into this first point and then I'll, I'll give you some thoughts and, and some stuff. And, and this is kingdom principle. Number one, measure, measure your worth correctly. Measure your worth correctly. Measure your worth correctly. That's point number one. Measure your worth correctly. Measure your worth correctly. I just read here that, that sometimes... As I read this, Jesus is not denying degrees of reward in heaven, but is affirming that God's generosity is more abundant than anyone would expect. Sometimes, sometimes we look at God's generosity to others and we automatically consider that God's wrath or lack of goodness to us. Does that make sense? That's what I wanted to say earlier. That, that, oh my God, look how generous God is being over there. And what about me? And we automatically relate that with, he's not being good to me. And, and I think that process, that working, is part of the kingdom of heaven is like. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is like operating like this. Because in doing this process, I'm also going to deal with that man's heart that did not rejoice with the brother that got blessed over there with God's goodness. And come alongside him and said, I'm so happy for you and grateful for you that you got paid the same amount as me when I worked harder than you did. Sucker, I'm so happy for you. But instead, we got mad and upset because I deserve more than he did when the Bible tells us no get along that person and rejoice with the one who's rejoicing and weep with the one who's weeping get next to that person and be happy so what is God doing what God is doing is that's the kingdom of heaven it's like so I have to do things like that so when you see my goodness fall over there and you feel that I'm skipped you it's because I want to see what comes out from you because I might have to deal with something in you why because the kingdom of heaven is always operating Like, do you think we're on earth and the kingdom of heaven is at a standstill, just waiting for you to arrive? My goodness, if that's your theology on that, your theology is wrong. I'm telling you right now that there are songs being sung in glory, and there's operation, and there's government, and there's rule, and there's a king who sits on his throne, and they're all waiting for your arrival. And there is a mixture in this dimension with that dimension that we begin to operate in kingdom principles while living in earthly ways and in earthly principles. That that we can live... Number one, measure your worth correctly. Never measure your worth by comparing it with the accomplishments and the sacrifices of others. How many of you with me, because I am looking at the mirror and I'm not hitting any of you on the head. I get the hammer and I do this to myself. How many of you have brought yourself down because you measure yourself with others' accomplishments. And other, I haven't done that. I'm not doing that. I'm definitely doing something wrong because it's working for them. It didn't work for me. And I measure my worth, is the key word there, with another's accomplishments and sacrifices. Listen, we spent two weeks in Psalm 139. And we need to remember verse 14 when he says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made and marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. 
what I'm saying is, and I want you to listen, is that we can easily learn from others. We can, I love what Pastor Rafi said weeks ago, we can compete and we can even compare. I said the word. I'm not contradicting. Listen, and we can compare with them to see if there are things in our lives that might need growth, to see if there's things in our lives that might need to be challenged. But to measure our worth, that doesn't come by comparing with others. It's never done by comparing ourselves to others, their accomplishments and their sacrifices. What am I trying to say? I guess hopefully you got it. We measure our worth by relating to Christ and his word. You, I just lack worth. You know what the answer to someone is? I just lack worth. You know what the answer to myself is when I say I just lack worth? Get into his word now and find worth in his word. Oh, okay. Get into his presence now and, get, and find worth. So it's in Christ and in his word is where our worth is found. Amen? All right, good. And in this passage, we have different groups of people. We've already broken that down. Some started working at 6 a.m., others started working at 9 a.m., others started working at 12 p.m., others started working at 3 p.m., and then there's a group that started working at 5 p.m. And you know what? I think the master of the vineyard, because the kingdom of heaven is like, I think he did that one on purpose because he messed up his four three-hour increments. I believe it's on purpose. Normally, you start at 6, at 9, at 12, and at 3. But for some reason, the master of the vineyard felt that at 5 p.m., I'm also going to grab some other workers. And he knew that when he grabbed these workers at 5 a.m., it was going to do something to the workers from 6 a.m. If you have any workers under you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you have people that work for you, if you, you know, it's, it's hard. This is, this, is, this is what goes on in a workforce. This goes on in any kind of ranking of people and, and what we do and how we honor people. So we see all these different individuals. And, and what we know is that, you know, that the ones that started working at 5 p.m., when I read this, I thought about this and I said, man, these guys could have easily been discouraged. I'll explain to you what I mean. Because they could have easily discouraged themselves and um, they could have even allowed that discouragement to bring forth some sort of condemnation upon themselves. I'm going to read verse 6 and 7 and maybe I can allow you to understand what I, my thought here. Verse 6 says, about the 11th hour, 5 p.m., he went out and he found others standing idle. And he says to them, why have you been standing here? Why haven't you been working? And they said to him, no one's hired us. So then he says, well, I hired you. Go into the vineyard, and, and, and I bolded this, I highlighted this in my notes. Whatever is right, you will receive. Did you notice something here that they both agreed upon that? They both agreed upon that. Whatever is right, you will receive. And they said what? Yes. Another person would be like, yeah, but how much are you going to pay me for an hour? Like, let's talk business here. Let's talk nickel and dimes. But they agreed upon whatever is right. So when the master gives the paycheck, that's what was right. Regardless of what, who anyone else thought was wrong. Because the one who signs that is the one who deems whether it's right or wrong. This is important. Because I look at these guys that started working at 5 p.m. And what I thought to myself that if I was them, I don't know, maybe... Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm wrong. Maybe I would be prideful instead of humble. I'm not sure what I would do. But I think there would be something inside of me that probably would have said something like this. No. I know some of the fellas that are working in your vineyard. Some of them have been working there since 6 a.m. I know them personally. I'm sure that they knew each other. And they're not going to like us showing up at 5 p.m. They're going to feel threatened. Plus, it's 5 p.m. already. What can we, this is so important. This is my thoughts. You can know a little bit about my, my inward parts here for a moment. What can we possibly have to offer in one hour when you have some guys that have been working since 6 a.m.? I, I think that's something I would have said. Like, you want me to work for an hour and pay me whatever you think is right? When you have had men there that have been working since 6 a.m.? 
I think I would have said, what can I possibly be doing an hour? Just to prep up the material for the vineyard, it probably would take me an hour, and then you're going to ring the bell and time's up. And then the master, in response to these men, says, whatever is right, you will receive. Let's go back to verse 8 and 9. What did they receive? So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages. I'm going to shock everyone in the beginning. You see, let me tell you what happens. You know how I know this was on purpose? Because if it wasn't on purpose, he would have called the 6 a.m.ers to come first because then they would have grabbed their paycheck and they would have left. And they would have never any... Bing, it made sense now, didn't it? Because if I was the boss of the vineyard and I wanted to pay my friend over here because he only worked an hour, the same that the other guy over there works at 6 a.m., what I would do is I'll pay you later. I'll pay everyone from 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. and give them their wages and let them go happy and cash their check. And then I'll give these guys over here at 5 theirs and they will never find out about it. But Jesus, did the vineyard and this whole parable didn't operate in that way. He says, I'm going to prove a point here, and I want everyone that is here to be addressed. I want them to be available, and I want them all to be confronted with this kingdom principle. He says, call the last workers. So the 5 p.m.ers come in, and you know how they looked? Super clean. They did not smell like the sun. <laughs> they, did not, they did not smell like the sun. Their shoes weren't dirty from the vineyard. They showed up like, we hardly worked. <laughs> And they grabbed a paycheck and they freaked out. They said, how are you going to pay us a day's wages? He says, whatever I felt was good. We have a problem with that when we don't understand and we don't know how to define what God's goodness is. Whatever I see is good. But 6 a.m.ers said, hey, how can you make them equal with us? And you gave us the same pay that you gave those guys that only worked an hour. And, 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 I, and I, I, I know that when I read this, I said, my goodness, it's so obvious that, that, that the Lord is sharing this parable because he wants to show what the kingdom of heaven is like and he wants his audience to know. And in, the, and, and, and in this parable and in this story, it's the same thing. The master of the vineyard wanted every worker to know just as if God were to stand up here in the flesh right now and tell all of you, this is how I work and I want every one of you to know because I have nothing to hide from any of you. Watch how I do things. And I, and I thought about the five PMers, the ones that only worked for an hour. And here they are, they're going to show up for an hour, and they get paid for what the others did and how they got paid. And, and I thought about myself, and I thought about some of us, and I said, I don't know that if some of you feel like these five PMers maybe have, would have felt. And what I mean by that is, have you ever felt like it's too late? It's 5 PM. What am I going to do for an hour? I'm definitely, I wish you, how many of you when you read this and you are lacking for a job and you're desperate for a job and they call you at 5 p.m. to only work for an hour, you're like, really? My goodness, is, is, the luck of the draw is not on my side. I wish they would have called me at 6 a.m., but it always falls short on me and I got it at 5 p.m. rather than at 6 a.m. And you would have started complaining because it happened at 5 p.m. and not 6 a.m. And it's too late now. What am I going to do for an hour when I could have been doing this for 12 hours and made more money? Seriously, don't raise your hand. Rhetorical question. But how many of you would have thought that? Am I the only one that thinks like that sometimes? Man, nothing falls. I have no luck. Maybe, maybe you feel like it's too late or, or maybe you feel like your chance has already passed you. 5 p.m.? I've been here since 6, and you picked them instead of me. Why didn't you pick me at 6? Then you had a chance at 9, then you had a chance at 12, and then you had a chance at 3 p.m., and you still skipped me, and then you came at 5 to come and get me. And it's like the Lord looks at him and says, because I am sovereign, I chose you for the 5 p.m. slot, because watch what I'm about to do. Watch what I'm about to do in your life with your own problems, and watch in that what I'm about to do to the 5 and the 6 a.m. Sorry, the 6 a.m.ers and the 9 a.m.ers. I'm, I'm a sovereign, all-knowing God. What is he going to do? Well, maybe, maybe you feel like this. Oh, man, chance has already passed me. My goodness, it's too late. Maybe some of us feel this, that you feel older than the younger people and that the younger people are getting what, you, what could have been yours in all aspects of life. Maybe you feel like you don't have much you can offer anymore. Because what you're doing is you're looking at others and what they've done that you necessarily haven't done yet. 
Is that resonating? You're looking at what others have done. And you're measuring yourself. You say, well, I haven't done that. And you know what that does? It scares you. It brings fear into your life. Because you're measuring yourself by what others have done, by what others have accomplished, and by what others have sacrificed. It's 5 p.m. I'm going to work for an hour. When you have people here that have been doing so good since 6, it's too late. I'm not going to be able to do this. My time has passed. I could have gotten what could have been mine. I don't have much to offer anymore. And you, get to get, you begin to get, be scared and believe these lies and you begin to live in fear. But then out of nowhere comes this encouragement. He calls you in with all the other workers. Let's get back into this parable here for a moment. And what you've done, here's, here's the principle, ready? And what you've done in one hour, he pays you the same as those who worked for 12 hours. Let's, let's define this, ready? It does not mean that he does not care for those. So maybe some of you, I'm going to get to the 6 a.m.ers. Don't think I'm only picking on the 5 p.m.ers. Because maybe, maybe, maybe some of you 6 a.m.ers that are here that could relate to the 6 a.m.ers and not the 5 p.m.ers think this. That's not fair. I'm one of the 6 a.m.ers. Watch this. It does not mean that he does not care for those who worked hard all day, for all those who have sacrificed. But let it mean to you, the ones who are the 5 p.m.ers, that actually he finds worth in you and that he gives you worth and that your worth now is found in him. So what he's about to do something is he's going to build something up in you that you deflated with your mind because it's too late, because I don't have enough to offer. What am I going to do in one hour? And then he surprises you with what you did for one hour and he pays you with what someone did for 12 hours. Come on, come on, what am I trying to say? Be very careful that you don't measure your worth incorrectly my first point today is measure your worth correctly never measure your worth by comparing it to the others with their accomplishments and their sacrifices so here's some questions for you are you ready are you are you sitting idle are you letting time just pass do you feel like it's getting too late and the lord if you're feeling any of those feelings, the Lord may be calling you, if you're listening closely, into his vineyard. That with his grace, very important before we get to point number two, that with his grace, you may be able to do in one hour what it took others 12 hours to do. See, you'll never know until you find worth in him and you go for it that in one hour you might be able to do something that it took 12 hours someone else to do. You see, I don't know the details of this story, but what about if the ones of one hour actually did a whole lot more work than the ones that have been working for 12 hours? What I'm trying to tell you is that if God is calling you forward to find worth in him and go for it, you might be able to do in one year what it took another man to do in 12 years. You can't limit God when you find the grace falling upon your life can't limit him can't limit him in one year you might be able to do what it took another to do in a lifetime and then you say why me and then the answer goes because of him because of him because he is a good master because he says what I'll pay you whatever seems right. And those workers did something for an hour that deserved to the master to get the day's wage. Whether you agree with it or not, how many of you have heard me say from this podium, you're going to walk into eternity and you are going to freak out by some of the people that you're going to see in eternity. And you're going to think, what in the world are you doing here? I did not think you were going to be in the glory of God. Because what that man might have done, in one second, it seemed right to the master of the vineyard. And it earned them a place in glory. Because what? Because he's good. The master's good. Don't measure your worth with wrong things. Measure your worth correctly. Not with others. Not with their accomplishments, their sacrifices. How many of you could say amen? I could keep going in that, but I hope I, I, I exhausted it enough. Measure your worth correctly. Everyone, say number two. Write this down. Serve. Serve. 
with a heart of gratitude. I think I said it wrong. Serve from a heart of gratitude. Hopefully that's better. Serve from a heart of gratitude, especially when it comes in response to God's grace. How many of you have encountered God's grace in your life? Thank you for being honest. If you raise your hand or if you said amen, then you're called to serve from a heart of gratitude because of God's grace or in response to his grace. God's grace in our lives should cause us, God's grace in our lives should cause us to respond with grateful hearts. What do I mean by that? With joyful hearts. All right. So the early workers got their paycheck. The 6 a.m.ers, the 9 a.m.ers, you get it. And when they got their paycheck, I wish, I wish I had a piece of paper, but when they got their paycheck in their hand, they could have said what with that paycheck? For the honor of God. Thank you, Lord. For today, you give me, everything's okay. For today, you give me bread and water. And they could have taken it home and said, today we eat dinner. Today we pay the electric bill. Today we plan our vacation, whatever. But when they receive the blessing from the master of the vineyard, the first thing that comes out of their mouth was, <laughs> you paid us the same as them? You made them equal to us? Did you see anything wrong there? Because the response should have been, and who cares? What is it up to you? It's my money. Did you pay people? Did, we, did you pay them? Did it come out of your bank account? Because I'm the boss. I'm the one that paid. But instead, what happens to them, their hearts weren't grateful. Their hearts weren't rejoicing. So the early workers lost joy in the goodness and the generosity of their master. Do you know how often it has been in my life where I've grown bitter or I've grown sad in the heart, and instead of rejoicing in the goodness of the Lord, I begin to complain about the lack of the goodness of the Lord in my life, like there is no goodness. My ungrateful heart blinds me from his goodness. My, my lack of joy in my heart blinds me from the surroundings of many blessings. I'm just talking about myself. And these men, because they did not serve from a heart of gratitude from a joyful heart these these early workers if you remember what we said it says that they assumed that they would receive more but when they reached the day's wage they began to complain which we said they began to protest they began to murmur they began to grumble in their hearts and with their mouths the early workers lost joy because their eyes turned evil or the proper way of saying this is their eyes turned into envy See, what are we seeing in this passage? We see in this passage, kingdom, kingdom principles, we see man's heart. We see here the heart behind the 6 a.m. service. Their motive, listen, was not to celebrate with their fellow co-workers, but rather grew envious and bitter, not just towards their co-workers, but past their co-workers, and they took it out on the master who signs their check. Better be careful, you might not have work next week. They, they, they said, I'm not just fed up with you idiots that got paid the same amount as me, but that fool that paid you, I'm upset with him as well. And they began to grumble with the master of the vineyard because what they thought was, well, surely he's not fair. He's not a fair God. What's another word that we could use? Let's get biblical. He's not a just master. He's not a just master. You made them equal to us after we've worked all day in the scorching heat. Come on. If you could just take away some of that holiness from you, you some of you would say, I kind of probably think I might, could have, would have, I think I would have done the same thing they did. Because we're human. And our human heart comes out. And our flesh comes out. And like, I deserve it. I worked just as hard. I should have gotten it. No one looks at, and, 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 and it's not fair. He's not a just God. I'm talking about the master. And I said something as we started our service today. What does this have to do now with what Paul writes to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12? I'm going to read it again. I know I read it to start worship. 
but I'm going to read it again in verse 20. He says, but now indeed there are many members, yet there's one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 1 Corinthians 12, 22, no, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Yes. The 5 p.m.ers were necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. Amen. Our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Verse 24, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, no beef in the body, no problems in the body, no wrestling in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. What does that have to do with this? Well, you're separating two things. No, we're not. The kingdom of heaven is like, and the kingdom of heaven wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What does that have to do with everything that we're speaking? I think it has everything to do with it. What do we have to say about Romans 12? Verses 14, 15, and 16. Bless those who persecute you, bless, and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. What do we have to say when we read verses like 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and when we look at man's heart in Matthew chapter 20, surely he's not just. You made them equal after we've worked all day in the hot sun. No, what your heart should do is go have a celebration with them and have a good time because these guys right here were just blessed with the goodness of the Lord. But instead, you lack joy and you begin to complain about your brother rather than finding joy that your brother was blessed with the same grace that if you remember in times of your life you too were once blessed with goodness gracious I wish I could sit here and say no churches go through problems the, the perfect church does not go through a problem the heck with that man that's a lie every church goes through problems Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 it's a body that has problems because Paul is confronting the church of Corinth and says hey there is no schism between you all what's up you're one body Weep with those who weep. Cry with those who cry. Paul had to confront that. Study the church of Corinth. You understand what I'm saying. You should have the same care for one another. And then to the, in, in Romans, he says the same thing. What, what, I'm, what am I trying to say? Amongst each other and before our master, what do we do? We serve. We serve from a heart of gratitude. How many of you can say amen? All right. You haven't gotten it? I'll preach 20 more minutes on this second part so you get it. Serve from a heart of gratitude. The grace of God in your life. Listen to what, I'm, what I wrote here and I want to share with you. The grace of God in your life should work itself out that your heart is grateful and joyful when others are experiencing the same grace. No? See, I said this in the men's yesterday. I said they're never meant to be a threat. They're never to be a threat. If your heart is right, they're never a threat. When someone comes in and the Lord begins to favorably bless them, what it is is they just become an addition to make the body better and to make it even stronger than what it was. Never to be a threat. When it becomes a threat, the heart is not right. You've lacked celebrating with the body. And what you did is you began to complain. Hey, when people begin to complain with people of the same faith, there's something wrong in the heart. Heart. We're the same body. What are you guys doing? You're in the vineyard. Enjoy the master's vineyard and get your wages when it's done. Why did you catch problems? Serve. From a heart of gratitude. Amen? Amen? All right, verse 13 through 16. Ready? Let's, let's read this again. He answered them. He answered one of them and he said, What's well, a friend? I, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what's yours, go your way. I'm back in Matthew 20. Verse 14 I wish to give you, I wish to give this last man the same as you, the first man. 
is it unlawful for me to do? Or is it not lawful for me to do what I wish to do with my own things? Is your eye evil? Is your eye envy? Well, that's the problem. That's the root. These guys were filled with envy. Now we see where they're talking from. Now we see where they're starting problems from. It comes from a place of envy because I'm God. So the last will be first in the kingdom of heaven is like, and the first will be last. What am I trying to tell you here about the master in Matthew 20? The master in Matthew 20 saw the motive of the heart, and he shared a kingdom principle to them. These who are last will be first, and you who see yourself as first will be last. He did not and never said he's removing them or exempting them from the kingdom. Did you catch that? All he said was what? I'm changing the order around. Guys, I need you to make sure that you interpret scripture correctly. This does not mean that the 6 a.m.ers are going to hell. This does not mean like, oh, God's wrath, watch this, you're all going to go to hell, you suck, you have a bitter heart. No, he understood that their man and their man's heart and it was operating wrong. Now we're kingdom principles. So what does he teach them? Here's kingdom principle. He does not exempt them or kick them out from the glory, he does not kick them out from the kingdom. But what he does is he removes the order. And, 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 and this is so important. What we see here is that he sees the past or he sees the work, the past uh, he see, well, better, better say it this way. He saw past the work or past the service, and he saw through all the good stuff that the 6 a.m.ers did, but what he was really interested in was not necessarily what you had to give in this state, but I wanted to see with the heart in which you gave in. So he looked past the work and the service, and he wanted to know, 6 a.m.ers, listen up, is your heart good? See, why 6 a.m.ers do you do it? 6 a.m.ers, who do you do it for? So is your heart joyful? Is it filled with gratitude in what you do and in what others are doing? Why? Because God is calling us to function in kingdom principles, and that is to serve in all capacities from a heart that is grateful and joyous. So what he does is he doesn't say to them, you're not going to make it to heaven. What he's saying is I'm going to teach you a lesson. The first or last, the last or first. And what I'm doing here is I'm looking past all that you've done for 12 hours because what I want to see really is, is the heart cultivated right? Is the heart right? Because that is what man, that's, man may look at your work and look how hard he worked and look how hard she worked. But man, Samuel, don't look at the outer appearance of man for God looks at the heart. I'm looking at your heart. Because in the heart, I will see what the intentions and the motives of all your work was in. Does that make sense? All right. So very important, third part. Keep your heart healthy. Since I spoke about heart for so long, keep your heart healthy. What do I mean? Guys, write this down, please. Subpoint under number three. Keep your heart healthy. Live for the praises of God rather than man. In every capacity of your life. Why do I say that? Because this is the only way that will serve from a, from a heart of gratitude. This is so important because I'm talking to like myself in all different places of my life. Live for the praise of God rather than men. But yet in that, there's also a responsibility in me to rejoice with others rejoicing. To weep with others. Like I can't just like, I'm just worried about the praise of God and not yours while not caring for my brethren. I want you not just to grab point three and take it home with you, but you grab all the points and say, wait, all of this accumulated is what is being spoken and taught here today. So this is the only way that will serve from a heart of gratitude. Live for the praises of God rather than keep your heart healthy. How many of you can say amen? amen. All right, real good. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 4. I'm going to read these two verses for a moment. Um, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 4, 4 and 5, and then we'll, we'll, we'll end with this last point. 1 Corinthians 4, 4, and 5, Paul speaking again to the church of Corinth. Same letter as the one that we just read in chapter 3. He's continuing his thought. He says this, For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. New Living says it this way, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove that I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. What did the master of the vineyard tell the workers? We will decide what is, what is right. Verse 5, so don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light, and he will reveal our private motives. And then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Are you guys following along with that stuff? 
Keep your heart what? He reveals, guys. He reveals. Church, listen. He reveals our private motives. And God gives each one whatever praise is due. But he reveals the, the motive of the heart. So what am I called to do? I'm called to keep this center. It's not the organ that pumps blood. It's the center of my being, my heart, the heart of man. I got to keep it healthy. I got to live. That center of my being has to live for the praises of God. That's it. To honor him. I want him to say good job, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the praises of God. All right. So here we go. As I thought about this, I started to think about um, those who've been serving Christ since childhood. Uh, perhaps even the mission field. Um, through Voice of Martyrs and through many other stories, testimonies, and readings, you'll hear a lot of stories of this that are still happening today. These are not just long tale, tales from a long ago. These are still stories that happen today. I think of those who've been serving Christ since childhood, in the mission field even. Some who've even lost their parents due to the spreading of the gospel. God, my parents chose to serve you spreading the gospel in this country, and yet they died for it. That's not fair. You see what I'm trying to say? I think about those guys. Individuals, you should write this name down maybe if you want. Steve Saint is a great individual that came to my, th my mind. I think about a man like Steve Saint. You guys know who Steve Saint is? Anyone know who Steve Saint? Good, because I'm going to tell you who Steve Saint is. His dad's name was Nate Saint. His dad, with four other friends, four other friends, they took the gospel to an indigenous tribal group, to the jungles of Ecuador. If you were ever one of my students, Sorry, but I drilled you with this. We watched the end of the spear, and we saw the story of these missionaries. And I said, this is what's going on in the world. This is what people are doing for the gospel. So Nate Sane and four of his fellow missionary brothers, they lost their lives as they were sharing the gospel to this tribal, this clan in the jungles of Ecuador. And this happened in, this is powerful. This happened in 1956. I think Steve Saint was, I don't know, four. He was a, he was a child. He lived in, in Ecuador with his mom and all these families. And here we are in 2019. You could YouTube him or you could buy his books or you could buy the movie End of the Spear. And in 2019, Steve Saint, one of the sons, continues to do what his father did he didn't get discouraged he didn't say man god i'm sure he went through seasons and episodes and growth that god had to deal with him but today steve saint travels travels the world with the same man the same native man from the tribe that grabbed the spear and thrusted it into his father and killed his father He's, Steve Saint grew up, went back to the jungle and said, I'm the son of the father. You killed my father. And that man was perplexed. How can he love me? How can he show me such a love? And he began to declare the gospel to the killer of his father. Today, that whole tribe in Ecuador, the Wadanis, I think they're called, they're all a Christian tribe operating, believing under the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is powerful. This is powerful. Because today, Steve Saint travels the world in auditoriums and he shares his story. And while he shares it, guess who's standing right next to him? He calls this man father. Because once he met him, he recognized if I kill this father, then I know God's calling me to be his father. And now the man that killed his father has become a father to him. And together, this man says, I'm the one that killed his dad. But because of God's goodness and God's grace and God's love, he's given me the opportunity now to become his dad again. And to love him as he's loved me. And the gospel message is seen through the murderer and through the son of the one who was killed. And now they become like family. And all over the world, people are coming to know Jesus. They even make a movie about this and books about this. And the movie's called The End of the Spear. 
I think about people like that and it wows me, you know? I think of individuals on a whole other flip side or however you want to say it, on their deathbeds. At the very last moment with their last breaths, at the last seconds of their lives, as they are even maybe in tears, what do they do? Many of them, because their heart is really at a repented place, they repent and they receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't care what anyone says, if the heart was there and God knows the heart of man, they instantly have direct entrance into the presence of God when they die. How do I know that? There was a thief on the cross, a criminal on the cross that Jesus told him on his last breath, today you'll be with me. And this man who died and repented in his last second will have direct entrance just like the one who served Christ their whole lives. <laughs> have you thought about that? There's one who died in the jungles and then there's one that died with their last breath. He died for Jesus in the jungle and this one died and I mean on his last breath before he died he accepted Christ with a repented heart and both of them are united in eternity. That stuff messes your mind up because come on, which one's not fair? In God's eyes, kingdom principles, they're both fair because God looks at the heart. If the latter of these offends us, if you see the latter of these as unfair, the real question then is who's wrong? Is it really the master that's wrong? Or is it this man? Should I not rejoice with the one that just breathed his last breath and accepted Christ with tears that they're going to enter eternity? Like the one that gave their lives to the mission field and died at an old age and suffered a lot for the, for the gospel of Christ? I should rejoice with both of them just the same if my heart is right. Because we're in the same team for the same purpose to win souls. I've been in both ends of, of, of this story personally. I'm going to read some thoughts that I wrote and I can relate to it to an extent and I'm sure many of us in here can. I've been involved in things from the beginning. I've worked hard before others and I've seen them get the recognition and the promotion. And I wrote this down. That could do something to you. It can reveal your heart instantly. If the heart is not right, it could get me upset like it has. It could cause me to become indifferent. It could find more faults and complaints and lose the opportunity to be happy for others and find joy that someone else is at a better place and someone else and their families will not be blessed. I've been there personally, I have. That I have joy where I am at and what God has given me and how it has provided for me and my family. If God is taking care of us all, we all win. But then I've also been at the other end of this. I've come into something late while others have poured into it and worked harder and longer than I have. I feel like sharing a funny story. But it might take away the tone of the message. But Yet I've given the honor, the grace, and I received this generosity when maybe I felt that others might have deserved it because of their longevity in what it is that they're doing. But believe it or not, that could also reveal a lot of what's in our hearts as well. Whatever aspect they're in. I always mess with Nancy. Like my second year at work, they surprised me and they did a huge ceremony and they presented like the teacher of the year. And they said my name. I said, I got teacher of the year. And I went home, my certificate, I said, Nancy, how many years have you been a teacher? <laughs> but it's my wife, I mess with her like that. You gotta compete sometimes, you know. But Nancy, how many, how many <laughs> She, she's there. The teacher of the year stuff, you know? And I always messed with her and I said, how many years have you been teaching? She hates when I bring this story up. And she, I was like, it's my second year. I got teacher of the year. But you know, in a sense, she deserves it. Because half the things that I did in that class probably came from her. If the class was decorated, she probably went and decorated it for me. If I had to get printed, she's probably the one. Like, she did a lot of the work. I just got there to class, and I taught what my wife probably <laughs> told me to teach. <laughs> but you see, hopefully the team is so united that my award becomes her award. In the family, that's how it is. Like, if she gets a raise, and I don't, and she's the bread maker at the house, 
that's so unbiblical. I need to make more money than the wife. And the... No, her rejoice becomes my rejoice. Shouldn't it be the same with his acceptance and theirs? Same joy. It reveals a lot about your heart, amen? Come on, number three, keep your heart healthy. Live for the praises of God rather than men. 1 Corinthians 3.8 Now he who plants and he who waters are one. Stop. I thought about this. Stop for a second. Watch this. I thought about this. What's the harder work? Planting's harder. Listen, any day you guys want to plant and you call me the water, I'll be down to go with you. While you're planting, I'll just stand there and water. Doing a good job. But the gospel says the one who plants and the one who waters are what? Because they're doing it for the same purpose. Regardless if one's work is harder. It's for the same purpose. They're one. The one who plants and he who waters are one. They work together for the same purpose. And each one, each one, the planter, that gets arthritis in their hands because, man, the planter that gets dirty and sweaty, I mean, the water could just sprinkle the water on him every once in a while. The planter and the water, each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. But it's for the same purpose. That's what we're doing, for the same purpose. Keep your heart healthy. I love what the master says in verse 7, and I've said it so many times, and I'm going to find it proper to end with this. In verse 7, to those who began working from 5 p.m., not 6 a.m., 5 p.m., he tells them this, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever's right for you, whatever's right, you will receive. So I think the best way, the proper way to end today is this, you also go into the vineyard. You also go into the vineyard. And whatever is right, you will receive. But go, don't sit idle. Go into the vineyard. And whatever is right, you receive it. Measure your worth correctly. Serve from a heart of gratitude. Keep your heart healthy. Go into the vineyard and receive whatever is right for you. How many of you can say amen? Stand with me. We're done. Thank you, Lord. Lord, in this room, in this family, the reality is, Lord God, we we could place ourselves somewhere in this story. And this story is not just a tale told by you, Christ. This story, this parable, is told so that you could reveal the heart of heaven the heart of our master and that you could also reveal the heart of man and Lord we thank you for for this passage and we thank you for this time in your word I pray that it brings forth a lot of reflection there are so many people in this room and those that are not in this room that are so confused about things so many people that are trying their best But things have risen up and they've lost the reason of why they do what they do and who they do it for. But Lord, I pray that today you will reassure people, establish people. May people hear this on podcast and may they break free from whatever yoke. 
May people hear this today and break free from whatever yoke. And that we become healthy laborers, healthy servants, healthy brothers, sisters, healthy ears, nose, mouth, feet. That you bring, Lord, such growth to our own personal lives because because our desire and our aim is just to be healthy for your kingdom. That, Lord, we would measure ourselves correctly. Lord, that we would keep our heart pure, that we would protect our heart with all diligence, Lord, that we would keep it, keep it healthy. And, Lord, that we would serve from a heart filled with joy and gratitude. Wherever we're at in any of these points, wherever we're at in this story, wherever we're at in this parable, wherever we're at in this kingdom principle, pray that you would do something just supernatural right now in our lives through the teaching of your word through the teaching of your word that you would bring forth so much fruit today that we would that we would begin to respond correctly from what we've just learned and that you would do great and mighty things in our midst in us and through us bless this body cut short the things that are trying to destroy it. The love that we have for each other, the family that you united us in. I pray that the voices would become less. I pray that the voices would become mute. I pray that the hands of those who want to harm would be cut short from causing any harm. I pray for the hearts of everyone. I pray that we'd all go forward that we all stay healthy, that we know why we do what we do and who we do what we do for, and that we be transformed for the rest of our lives. I pray that today, months, years in the future, we can look back and say, man, that Sunday was a monumental Sunday in our nest. It really did something in us. I pray that your word have done that, that your presence have done that. Lord, we thank you, Lord, and we honor you, Lord. Continue to bring growth to this family. Continue, Lord God, to establish love, your riches, your glory in this place. Whether in this building or outside this building, but in all fellowship, that it will all be with healthy hearts, healthy laboring going forward. I am honored. We are honored to be sons and daughters. We are honored to be co-laborers. We're honored to be invited into the vineyard and to no longer sit idle. We're honored to work in in the vineyard, whether it's 12 hours, eight hours, six hours, or just one hour. We're honored to go in and to be faithful to what you called us to. And whatever the reward is, the reward would be what is right. So we give it to you for your glory. Be honored in all of this and we praise you today. It's in Jesus Christ. And together we say, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise.